With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about our training camp battles, upcoming battles to watch in multiple positions for the Jets, a lot of spots up for grabs. Going to be a really interesting show, a lot of new rookies to enter the conversation as well. So with that said, got myself, Andrew, here, Matt, and Vitor. I'm going to kick it over to Vitor to start, and he's going to break down some camp battles for us. You know, guys, everyone is talking about around Jets Twitter, who is going to be our starting week side linebacker, right? We've got Blake Cashman there already, you know, who is made of glass. He cannot stay healthy. Even though he's a talented player, he's fast. He can go over sideline to sideline. He's a good tackler. And the Jets addressed the position after basically going blank in the free agency period by drafting Sherwood and Hamza Nasruddin. Andrew has broken down both of these players, and I have to say that they are basically, uh, how can I say, a philosophical counterpoint here. Well, well, Sherwood is a very smart player, distinctive player, has played in every position in his defense in Auburn. Mm-hmm. He is not a great athlete. While Nasruddin, he has some mental issues, but he's an amazing athlete. So I feel right now that we have the sure thing, that's Sherwood. If, if Cashman cannot stay healthy, if Nasruddin struggles to pick up the defense, Sherwood will play. He'll be our starter. But if Nasruddin can develop, he can have a good mini camp, a good OTA sequence, and a good training camp. I think Mr. Rodin has a great, great chance to be our starting week side linebacker come week one. I'd like to see your thoughts on that, Andrew, Matt. Uh, Matt, I'll let you go first. Uh, well, let's see. With Cashman, uh, he just needs to stay on the field. We have no idea what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. And I really don't think we ever will. <laughs> uh, he hasn't shown any sign of being able to stay healthy for any good period of time. Um, so I'm really don't think he even makes the team. Uh, maybe I, I, I can, that's not really a bold prediction. But so I, I think he's probably the odd man out. Uh, now, when it comes to Sherwin and Hamza, uh, I don't think either of them are ready for the starting spot right away either. <laughs> so is what is this a battle for? Is this a battle for the number two <laughs> will, will linebacker? Uh, I think eventually somebody else has to be brought in because I don't see these guys growing that much in one camp. Uh, but if I had to give it to anybody, I would probably give it to Sherwood just because I feel like he is has the most base knowledge of what he needs to do, of what he's getting into. Hamza has a a little bit more growth that he needs to, to to happen. He needs a little bit more, and so I'm definitely going to go with 
go with Sherwood as the leader of this pack. Uh, but in the end, it, they might not be battling for a starting spot. Yeah. Um, so I see it a little bit differently, uh, but not entirely differently. Uh, Blake Cashman is CJ Mosley's backup at Mike because Neville Hewitt and Harvey Langey are now both gone. So uh, CJ Mosley, as good as he hopefully still is, and as much as Robert Sala believes he still is, cannot play 100% of our defensive snaps. Someone's going to have to sub in for him at Mike Linebacker. I think that's where Blake Cashman comes in. So this is a two-man race between Hamza Nasraldine and Jamie and Sherwood for, let's be honest, Keanu Neal's job. Because this is what yeah. Keanu Neal should have been doing and why the Jets really should have made an aggressive play to add Keanu Neal as an experienced player in the defense. That didn't happen. He's a cowboy playing the same role he would have been playing for us for not that much money, but is what it is. And the Jets hit the draft, added two guys who were former safeties and Nasraldine and Sherwood to battle it out. Um, I'm the resident Sherwood fan here. I had an article come out on him this morning about his intelligence and his football IQ, which is really, really impressive, let alone just his instincts. It's the fact that he understands literally every position he plays. It's not just, oh, we're going to line him up at slot corner because he's just going to cover this guy man to man and and that's it. It's like, no, he understands what my position is at slot corner, where my force duties are. If I'm playing a zone, who's my help? It's you got to do that. He understands the entire defense and being that smart of a player and that when it's that easy for you to understand, that's going to translate really fast. And I think it's going to lead to him. I think he's going to come out of camp as the starting linebacker, the starting will. I think he's going to get there. He's just going to work. He's going to kill the playbook. Robert Sala is going to love his intelligence. He's going to love his instincts. He's going to love that he can have another quarterback of the defense out on the field with him. And that leaves kind of, you know, Nasraldine kind of up in the air. And I do think he's definitely the better athlete. I think I can understand why he was probably the higher graded prospect. You know, all things equal injuries aside, I can definitely see that as well. And I think he certainly is a future too. But I think if you're looking at it from the aspect of what's going to happen with the Jets in the very, very immediate, it's going to be Jamie and Sherwood comes out of camp as your starting will. CJ Mosley is your Mike. Jared Davis is your Sam. And when the Jets get in tough, tough passing situations, they're going to basically run 3-3-5. And it's going to be CJ Mosley and Nasraldine and Sherwood on either side of him. And those are going to be your Will and your Sam from there. But my guess is Sherwood as well for starting will. You know who I think low-key might be competing for the spot after Salah said that LaMarcus Joyner will be playing deep and May will be playing strong safety. I think Ashton Davis mm-hmm. play at Wilkesdale linebacker. He's not all the difference from Kenan Neal. Davis, you know, he plays bigger than his size. He's really, really strong. He eats up blocks. Maybe, just maybe, if the Jets are not comfortable with either Nasruddin or Sherwood, they would try They would try Ashton Davis there. Greg Williams played Davis colder to the line basically in every snap he had. Yeah. You know, I don't think that's a great thought, you know. I don't uh, think it is either. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, a I wild card. Hey, say Matt. So what about Rashad McLaren out of uh, Oregon State as a Sam? Possibly. I could see that as a rush. athleticism. Uh I, he had such a an off year this year, and I have a feeling that that uh, Sala and, and JD really want to uh, get him right back to where he was in 2019 when he was pretty much a dominant force at, at Oregon State and taking the 
the pack 12 by storm. Uh, I think he can maybe it, it, because the, the edge uh, group is pretty packed. It so, is. But he might be able to find a home as a linebacker. Uh, possibly. I think versatility is the name of the game with the Jets defense, as Robert Sala has repeated now over and over. So I, people playing multiple positions seems like it's just bound to happen. Um, so I could certainly see uh, Hamaclear potentially being a Sam kind of in that rush Sam role we imagine for Chris Rumpf. I'm thinking is kind of what you're thinking. Um, and as far as Ashton Davis, I, I think Ashton Davis seriously could be fighting for a job at outside corner, slot corner, or will linebacker. I see you. I see you. I see you. I don't think the Jets will will play Davis at either starting strong safety or free safety. They are pretty much set at Lamarco mm-hmm. with Lamarco Joyner, Lamarco yep. Joyner, and Marcus May. Hundred percent. May can be your slot corner or your weak side linebacker. One of them two. Maybe maybe outside corner if things go wrong with Plus Austin, uh, Bryce Hall. No one else can be added. But I see two, I see two. And that's it's strong sell linebacker. I feel like it's Jared Davis' job to lose, right? Agreed. The, the Jets brought him in from Detroit. I really, really like Davis' athleticism, but he's extremely, extremely, extremely stupid playing football. Like he has yeah. bad instincts. <laughs> he, yep. he, he overshoots gaps like crazy. And, you know, if Robert Sala can coach him up, he can be a guy that the Jets may extend after the season. Really, he's extremely talented. He's extremely fast. Oh, yeah. He's a first-round athleticism. No doubt about it. Exactly. But Matt Patricia could not coach the guy up. He was week in, week out, missing tackles, right? He was not very good in Detroit. But if the Jets can coach him up, I think he's got the, the sense for linebacker pretty much locked in for the season. That's a common theme for this entire linebacker group. A lot of yeah. guys that need to be coached up. Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily, the Jets have a Hall of Fame linebacker coaching staff. Yes, that does help. That, that's, you can't ask for better people to be putting faith into as coaches in this particular position than the two guys that are running our defense. Oh, well, they're yeah. sure going to have their work cut out for them. This is true. This is definitely true. But I, I'm confident. I mean, if there's, if there's one position on the team that I, even as murky as it may look, I'm going to think is going to end up being at least okay it's linebacker because that's all these guys do that's all they've yeah. ever done that's uh, they've if you look at their track record it doesn't matter where they've been or who they had it's just pro bowl or pro bowl or pro bowl or pro bowl or they'll pull them out of the dirt jeff ulbrich found foise to in, in the trash bin in two years ago and he was a pro bowler this past year on an on an awful falcons defense he was a pro oh. bowler yeah i, I, I trust them to i trust them to get it right here <laughs> fingers crossed yeah uh, I think that's a good transition into the cornerback two spot because I think Bryce Hall is at, we shouldn't even really say cornerback two we should say the other corner because we don't know if Bryce Hall is a CB1 yet I believe he certainly can be I think he can develop into one he has the talent for it and I think he has the instincts for it too but we don't know that for sure yet we've liked what we've seen we got to see more so the other outside corner spot is completely up in the air we have Bless Austin who God bless him. We have and a couple of draft picks in Jason Pinnock and an undrafted free agent rookie from last year. Well, not a rookie anymore, but an undrafted free agent in Lamar Jackson. So it's a three-man race. Um, any one of them, I think, could start the season. And I think any one of them could be a backup to somebody who gets signed off the street that we aren't even talking about. Yeah. 
Well, if we're talking about who's probably that that third guy in line, it's probably blessed just because of of uh, experience. But Bless has a lot of issues that that he needs to really figure out. His eyes are are absolutely horrible. Yeah, He's, he just doesn't see the field the way he needs to. No. Um, let's see, Pinnock. Pinnock has all the tools that you want. He maybe not, doesn't have the speed, but he has like the makings of a guy that can be a ball hawk in, in this kind of defense. Oh yeah. Uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, if you take that Raider game out of your mind and, uh, and forget all about that, that, uh, that deep pass he gave up the rugs. Uh, he didn't play horribly. I, I didn't think he played. No, he wasn't. Uh, I think he's, he's a good depth piece, but I don't see him as the kind of guy that's going to make a giant leap. Uh, but I mean, I, I think he's good depth for now, but if I'm, if I'm going to say if any, any of these guys make it out, it would probably be blessed just based off of experience. You know, cornerback and the group that the jets have right now, it's one of the positions that I'm less confident in getting fixed for the season. You know, when I look at cornerbacks that have excelled under Sally in San Francisco, I look at awareness, right? And yep. Bless Austin is, has one of the poorest awareness I have ever seen for cornerback. Like, yep. God bless. Bills were playing all hitches every third down, and he was playing 10 yards off from Stefan Dix. This is the kind of things that cannot happen under this new Jets defense because you're playing deep third. You have to fool the receiver. You have to play for leverage. And I don't see Bless Austin doing that consistently. While also, when you go back to tape, you see Lamar Jackson getting beat on a stop and goal in the last play of the game against the Oakland Raiders, which also shows poor awareness. So, again, it's the same thing. I think this coaching staff will have to take a guy and coach him up so he can play opposing Bryce Hall. But right now, I do not see the Jets entering the season with this group of cornerbacks. It's almost like they have to add someone else, right? It's, yeah, they have to. We've been mm-hmm. saying it for a long time now. Yeah. I don't think Sherman's coming here. I think he's staying no. in the West Coast. But Steven Ellison is a name that I think it's all about money, right? He's, he has said he has said that on Twitter, right? You just pay him what he wants, and he'll play cornerback for you. Just I feel like the Jets don't want to do that right now, but I would. I think this would be smart money to play to play a guy like Steven Ellison. Yeah, I I think it would as well. Um, part of me thinks, like I've said before, that if it was going to happen, it would have already. And I think now maybe after the draft where we've seen where the chips have fallen, maybe the needed corner is even more apparent than we thought it would be. And they really need to try and work on it. Maybe Steven Nelson gets a call and they bump the offer up by a few million. It's possible. Uh, I think Sherman is not happening. I think that definitely would have happened already if they had the opportunity to. I think Robert Sala would have wanted to bring him on as like one of his marquee free agents to say, this is my culture. This is my leader. This is the guy that's been around me for years, that knows what I'm about, that knows me, that supports me, that guys look up to. That would have been his guy if, he, if it would have been, if it happened. It would have happened already. So that leaves the three that we have. And if we're looking at it with the three that we have, I think I'm going to go a little outside the box here and I'm going to make the argument for Lamar Jackson because, yeah. because I think his tape Outside of that one play, and I'm going to get to that, but outside of that one play, I don't think under the context of being an undrafted free agent rookie thrown into the worst coaching staff in the NFL under a defensive coordinator who didn't understand situational football, he didn't do all that bad. There was a lot that he had to do himself 
to keep up. And I think that he did that. And with better coaching is the type of guy that you would hope to excel. Speaking of Greg Williams, what the hell are you doing? Leaving him in single coverage to start with. This is an example. You know, who's to blame here? Not the undrafted free agent rookie. Who's in single coverage. The coach who fricking put him there. That is not, uh, should he have bid on a double move? Absolutely not. That's on him. But this is Henry Ruggs we're talking about. This is one of the fastest players in the NFL. There's no guarantee he would have ran with him if he didn't bite. Henry Ruggs was past him by six yards by the time he caught the ball. Who's to say that he wouldn't be past him by a yard and a half and still made the score? Would we still be blaming Lamar Jackson, the undrafted free agent rookie, for giving up the go ball? Or would we be blaming Greg Williams like we all did when it happened? So... I think it's the context of what did you do given the situation you were in is really, really important. And I think Lamar Jackson is the type of guy that with coaching and with better coaching and experience and being able to, sure, he's the type of guy that has that play in his head. God knows how often he's not going to want to improve from that. He wants to take that off his name. That's motivation. It has to be. If you're a corner, it has to be that cockiness is everything. And this is a guy that Joe Douglas liked enough to sign as a free agent. So Joe Douglas believes in him. Mike McCagnan drafted Bless Austin. And Jason Pinnock is the latest addition. I think he will have his opportunities too. But I think Lamar Jackson is the blend of both of them where he has experience like Bless Austin does because Bless is more experienced, but not with so much with what he's done with it. He is experienced like Bless Austin, and he still has the athletic potential and the upside of Pinnock. Yeah. Plus... He's already shown some good things. I'm betting on Lamar Jackson. Do I think he's going to be the the guaranteed outside cornerback too? No. I think it's it's a shot. It's a long shot. But if if I had to put money on one of these three guys, I'm taking him. I'm with you on that one. I'll I'll, I'll take Lamar Jackson over Blas Austin. Yeah, I think his instincts are better. Like we talked about, even even yeah. st- even still, and not by it's not like an insanely that much you know better. But Bless is that poor with his eyes that it it it's almost unplayable in corner. Yeah, what a sorry state of affairs that these are the group this is the, the three guys that were were choosing for for possibly yeah. a starting corner spot. Yeah. 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 First round draft pick of the New York Jets in twenty twenty two, Derek Stingley. <laughs> I mean I we're we're gonna have to address this at some point and uh yeah, first round next year. I I we have two picks. I wouldn't mind spending one of them on a corner. Uh, all right. Well, that'll get us into slot corner, which is another battle. The Jets corner group again, looking at it as a whole, it doesn't matter what position you're looking at. It's it's thin, and I think there's more potential here than an outside corner, but it is still thin. Mm-hmm. And I think Brian Poole is not coming back because, as I'm going to continue to say, he would have already been brought back. I agree. But one, one, yeah, one other thing is that we have so many people that are going to be playing in the slot. Yeah, uh, we 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 have too many as it is. So specifically, slot corner isn't really a position that we really need to address that much uh, with free agents like Poole. Uh, if anything, we have guys like Javelin Gidry and uh, Brandon Eccles, who we just drafted. Maybe even Michael Carter if he's not playing safety. Uh, I think between these three guys, if there's one guy that I hold above all, I'd probably it'd probably be uh, Gidry. Uh, his 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 speed is astronomical. Yeah. I think he was what four two nine nine. Yeah, that, 
that's it's and it showed on in the tape too oh yeah he backs it up it's he backs it's it not up. that's not just a you know a stopwatch time that's that's real and he's got some good change of direction too to hang with guys when they cross the field it's not just straight line speed that can mm-hmm. that can they'll hang with deep threats i think he can he can match at at the uh, at the stem i think yeah. he he can do a lot more and i think he progressed pretty well last year as well he did. He got better throughout the year, which is always a good thing to see. Eccles and Carter, they're, they're wild cards right now. I I don't know what they can provide. I don't think it's it's going to be enough to really dethrone Gidry, though. Yeah, I agree. You know, Gidry really surprised me last season as the season went on as a tackler, right? Because mm-hmm. Brian Poole is a sure tackler. He's a great tackler. That's why he was a good player in Greg Williams' D. He could play yep. the run really well, short tackler on short passes. Good on blitzes. And yeah, and Gidry showed me some of that last year too. You know, when guys cut the ball on him, he immediately brought them down, which is really, really important. As of now, between these three guys that you said, I'm taking Gidry too. But really, really, I see the Jets playing a lot of three safety, four safety looks, and Ashton Davis playing slot corner. Agreed. I just see it. I just see, it. you know, Ashton Davis safe at call. He could play slot corner and matchup one-on-one he's an incredible athlete and you know i would say that he he'll play basically 50 percent of his naps as lot corner even though gidry may be the starter when the jets are playing true nickel formation with three cornerbacks on the field right. i can see the jets playing uh big nickel with ashton davis as the slot cornerback yeah if we if we throw davis into the conversation i think in the end he'll probably get more more time on the field than than Gidry in the slot. Yeah, and I like what you're saying about his tackling. He only had one missed tackle last year, uh, yeah, in yeah. 172 snaps. So he he proved himself to be a little to be re- reliable. Yeah, uh, I I really like Gidry. He fits my mold. This is like a just a scouting brain coming out. Um, he fits my mold of spider monkey slot corners. And I'll explain what I mean by that. And it's the guys that play like almost like a point guard defending against another really good point guard where they're completely squatted and their base is really, really wide and they just shuffle all over the place. Like guys like Avante Maddox, Asante Samuel is that way. Um, You know, there's a handful of guys like that and Gidry moves the same way. And I love that in slot corners. The ability to just change direction at will is is really important because you don't have the sideline for help. You have, an, you have a four-way go at any any moment, and you have to be able to react and change directions quick enough to keep up. The tackling is just another reason to be excited because it takes a special kind of athlete to hold up in the slot full-time in today's NFL anyway. And if you can tackle, then it's like, now we got something here. So I'm like you guys said, I definitely think Gidry is going to be expected to be the starter right now. I think Ashton Davis could rotate basically anywhere Robert Solisey's fit on any given play. And there's going to be situations where we might we might lead the league in quote unquote base personnel out of four three, but our three linebackers might be Sherwood, Nasraldine, and Ashton Davis. Yeah. And it's and it's like okay, so yeah, technically we're in four three, but we have five safeties on the field. Hmm. Yeah, it, but out of all the cornerbacks that we've listed right now, I would say Gidry's probably my favorite out of the whole bunch. Agreed. Agreed too. Yeah, he's a he's a he was a find. He was a find. He's gonna be if even if it's he'll be a depth player at worst. Yeah, at worst. 
Yeah, a depth player that still has potential to, uh, that right. has a lot of growth. Right, a really good ceiling. depth player. Yeah, like a like a really good depth player, a depth player you're happy to have. It's it's sad that the Jets' depth is so poor right now that it's he's being given this starting role. I'd, we would love to have more competition across the board, but I mean, for what he is, and again, the situation he was placed in played really, really well. Yeah, depth player that you're happy to have, as opposed to a depth player that you're like all right with. Yeah, right. He's a, he's a depth guy. No, he's a he's a depth guy. Okay, cool. That's we're on board. Uh, moving on. Uh, you know, nothing needs to be deeper than the offensive line, and that leads us to the right guard spot with Elijah Vera Tucker in town. I would say Alex Lewis is on his way out, and that left guard spot is going to be all but his to keep for however long he basically wants to keep it. Uh, right guard is now going to be between Cam Clark, Van Roten, who was the starter last year, and undrafted free agent Christian Hodge of BYU, former teammate of Zach Wilson. We'll see if that matters. It might. Maybe they develop the chemistry. Maybe they don't. But experience in the run game and experience in the system. Just like Zach Wilson is familiar with the system, so is his the offensive lineman that's running the same system. So it makes sense there. Um, out of these three guys, I would say I have the highest hopes for Cam Clark. But if I had to guess who's going to start, it's going to be Van Roden. I think so as well. Uh, Clark just didn't see any playing time last year, and that worries me. What yes. was keeping him off the field? What was right. keeping him not even right. from dressing for games? Yep. And I don't know. I, 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 I never really saw him as the athletic type, even going back to his college tape. He was a mauler. His strength was was what made what caught my eye and made me really like him. Yeah. Uh, I don't see him moving very well in, in wide zone. Uh, so I don't know what to expect from him. Uh, maybe he'll just come out of nowhere with his hair on fire, but I'm not expecting it. Uh, Hoge, I think, is a, is a wild card here just because he has the experience in the system. And also, I, I mean, I, I thought he was decent. He He... He he doesn't really have the athletic ability that you would like from like a Vera Tucker, right? But he's got not many guards. He's got do. more than Clark. Yeah, not many do. He's got more than Clark, and I would say he has more than Van Roten also. So he's yeah. maybe a little bit more of a fit. Uh, as far as Van Roten, he's got the experience, and as far as pass pro protection goes, I think he was one of the better offensive linemen last year. As far as uh, keeping the quarterback clean, yeah, and that's important. That's that's yeah, the well, number one goal. And as yeah, as much as we want to talk about the wide zone and and being athletic, uh, keeping Zach clean is, is is the most important job. Agreed. Between these three guys, I'm taking Clint, Cam Clark to start. When I look at San Francisco, you know, John Benton, the new Jets offensive line coach, he may be my favorite member of this coaching staff. The guy is the, the authority in white zone in the football world. And he turned Lakin Tomlinson, former Lions first round pick, into a very, very good left guard. And he's a mother. And he yep. is blocking the hell out of people in San Francisco in the white zone. I see a lot of Cam, Lakin Tomlinson in Cam Clark. Not Clark, a bad comp at all. Isn't that sad? Clark, as Matt said, is a mauler. Yes, he is. He's a mauler. He doesn't have the lateral agility that you would like in the Jets system. But I believe if there is a guy that this staff can coach up in the offensive line, is Cameron Clark. 
I like his potential at right guard, even more so if the Jets do what we are all expecting them to do. That's running to the running to the left, right? Where yeah. Tucker have the three tech to reach, while while Ken Clark, the right guard, will need to just maybe form a wall to the backside yep. one tech. I, I like yep. matchup. I like this matchup. I like this matchup with Ken Clark. Honestly, Greg Van Roden. I'm sorry, he's not athletic enough. Maybe Hodge surprises us all because has familiarity with the scheme and he's smart, smart enough to play years in BYU, understand the scheme, have be, be a part of a great offensive line that BYU had last year. You know, that unit was really, really good. So every player must be good for that unit to be really good. But Cam Clark, I feel like I feel like he's going to be given every opportunity to start. Every opportunity to start. I like his potential. I like his fit as a backside guard. And I believe John Benson can coach him up. I'm taking Cam Clark. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not really going to argue against you. I believe that because of the experience and the line calls and understanding pass protection rules a little more as a guard, I think that's what's going to give Grant, uh, Van Roten the edge. But if Cam Clark's the starter, I'm not going to be surprised at all. And I think exactly what you said is being the backside cutoff, especially on one text and zeros when they're running left. You need you need a guy who isn't going to get walled over. And Cam Clark is not going to get you know pushed over. He's going to stand his ground. So I could certainly see him being a fit there. It's like we talked about with Tevin Jenkins, where he wasn't quite the athlete you want. He was a good athlete, but he wasn't the same class as Vera Tucker. And we thought maybe he would fit better, not so much reaching, but being the seal off. I think Cam Clark could make the similar type of transition. Um, I think Tristan Hodge, or is it Hodge or Hoge? Hoge. Hoge, excuse me. Tristan Hoge. Um, Tristan Hoge, I think the experience in the system certainly helps. And I think the chemistry with Zach Wilson and, you know, he's going to have a guy in the room that's pulling for him. I think that also is going to help. But I, out of these three guys, I think if Van Roten's starting, we have a problem. If either of the other two are starting, then hopefully we don't. Yeah. Yeah, if any of the other two are starting, then I feel like they've claim the position exactly. from a guy that has starting potential in Van Roen and not like not not right. top tier starting potential, but he's he could be a starter in this league and he was right. a starter in this league. Yeah. For a lot of years. Uh, so yeah, if any of those two take over, then I, I'm actually pretty confident in that right guard position. Exactly. Yeah, this is all all of a sudden this is a great line. Great not a good line. Yeah, no, it would be, it would certainly be solid. It would certainly be a lot better than it has been for the past couple of years. That's, that's saying a lot. Um, yeah, I think that'll lead us into our bold predictions for training camp. Um, I'm going to let you start, Matt. What you got? Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm going to maybe go into a bold prediction that maybe could be a camp battle as well. Okay. Uh, Good transition. That Kenny Yaboa becomes our number one tight end. Good one. Ooh. I loved him. Uh, it, it, his tape was he. He didn't really do anything wrong. He did everything very well, and where I think he might struggle is if he's asked to do too much too early. Uh, I think you give him some time. I think by the end of the year he will take over as that primary spot, but. Maybe not right off the bat. I could definitely see it. Jets had a fourth round grade on him, which is the exact same grade we had on him. 
uh, by the way, but it's you're getting an undrafted player that you had a fourth round grade on. That's you got high hopes. This is this is a guy that is going to be a part of your team. This is not this is a priority free agent. And I think it was very clear that he was a priority free agent. I could certainly see him taking the job from Chris Herndon. I mean, as much as I liked Chris Herndon as a rookie, it's not like he's done much since then to to keep that job from being taken from him. And if Yaboa comes in and just plays the way he's capable of, I think he could. I really do. Yeah, maybe this is more of a criticism on Herndon than it is beefing up Yaboa because maybe I, I just don't trust what Herndon at all. I don't know if if he can be what we thought he could be consistently. And in the end, I think Yaboa is just maybe more, I don't know, he's just he's just more consistent. And yeah, consistency is king. He's more polished. He's more polished, exactly. Uh, okay, um, my bold prediction. Uh, we're going to stick with Ole Miss guys here. Uh, bold prediction. Jets trade Jamison Crowder because Elijah Moore can't be kept off the field. And Elijah now, when Moore do you think is they trade him? Before the year starts. Before the year even starts. During training camp. That's I think they get to training camp. I think Elijah Moore blows the doors off people, and I think the Jets go, we don't need to pay Jamison Crowder $11 million, where this guy's better right now. I think Elijah Moore outright takes his job. This was going to be my bold prediction. Really, I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is going to happen. I really do think this is going to happen. I think the Jets are going to figure out that Elijah Moore is really, really good. He's ready. He has all the tools, and they're going to move on from Crowder. Yeah, they're going to be perfectly fine with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, more could even be take a step further, be even a little bit more bold and say that he's our number one wide receiver by the end of the year. I'm not going to argue against it. I don't know. I really like Curry Davis as an all-around receiver who can get some targets, some first down out of play action, but maybe. Well, okay. I think Corey I th- Davis will be one of the more reliable wide receivers, but I think one of the most explosive will be more. I think this is a phrasing question because I think Corey Davis is going to be your quote unquote, number one wide receiver. Elijah Moore is the number one target in the offense. If you count jet sweeps for sure. I'm saying yes. Factor number one factor of the offense. Who is the go-to guy of the offense? The number one target in the offense will be Elijah Moore by the end of the year. Yeah. Yep. I see that. Uh, well, I didn't mean to steal yours, Vitor. I apologize. But what? Uh, <laughs> quick pivot. What? What's another one? Uh, let me see. Well, Michael P. Ryan is the odd man out and gets cut. Uh, uh, I think the Jets. Yeah, I think this is not going to agree. happen because Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas doesn't want to look bad, right? He got Ryan right. as a fourth rounder last year. But if you're talking about touches here, I see the way I see it is Michael Carter. Mike Johnson and Tevin Coleman need touches before LaMichael P. Ryan gets his. Josh Adams played really well last season as a running back. So mm-hmm. already have four guys that can play. The problem is P. Ryan was a mid-round pick last year. If, if for not for that, he was going to get cut. And, you know, if you keep four running backs, the Jets probably won't be able to keep seven receivers. They would need to keep six. And right. if you count Jameson Crowder, Randy already have, have four. And you also need to account for Braxton Barriers, Vincent Smith, 
Jeff Smith, guys Lawrence that the Jets Cager. really paid, Lawrence Cager, guys that the Jets have on their contract. And they decided to sign as free agents in the Smith, the Smith's brothers. They were they were free agents and the Jets brought them back, Messon Smith and Jeff Smith. So yeah. I feel like these guys have a shot to make the roster. If you keep four running backs, you probably need to keep six receivers. Even more so if you keep four tight ends with Yeboa, Wesco, right. Croft, Herndon. You know, if the Jets keep four running backs because they need to find a spot for P. Ryan, this may handicap the other parts of the offense. You know, maybe, just maybe, the Jets cut P. Ryan. I think he's the odd man out in touches and maybe gets cut. And if it's between P. Ryan and, and Adams, I would take P. Ryan just because I feel like he has a little bit more potential as a receiver as well. He does. He does much more. And you know, I'm, P. Ryan ahead, is a solid all-around back. He yeah, is, yeah. yeah. He's he's got some power to, for short yardage, and he's got some uh, some route running skills as well that I would yeah. not discount. Uh, so I I feel like Pirine just offers a little bit more than Adams, uh, and you know what, Coleman isn't going to be here very long. All right, I yeah, he's a nice solid vet signing, uh, and he knows the the offense. But at the same time, he doesn't really have any longevity. So I can see them wanting to keep P. Ryan around. Yeah, you're right. I see it too. It's just like if someone needs to go, if the Jets want to keep like seven receivers and four tight ends, I can see them cutting P. Ryan. Yeah, uh, it's possible. Um, I'm going to make the argument as to why they should keep four and why P. Ryan should be the odd man out, as Vitor said. Um, because I think everything that he does, Tevin Coleman's going to do. And I don't think what Tevin Coleman's going to do is going to be as frequent to where he needs his own backup. I think Michael Carter is going to be eating so many of the touches that it's going to be Michael Carter at like 40%, and then the three other guys split for the, the other 60. And you're going to have Michael Carter as the lead back. You're going to have Ty Johnson as his backup on, you know, base downs when you want to run your same run plays with Michael Carter. Tevin Coleman's going to be your receiver, change of pace, and Josh Adams is your goal line because somebody has to be able to get tough yards on the goal line. And I think P. Ryan can do it. I think Adams is better. I think he's bigger, stronger. I think he runs through tackles better. And if we're not so much worried about explosion or agility or deep speed because we're on the goal line and it's between those two guys, I think I'd rather have Josh Adams. And if I'm looking at it from that aspect, I have these four running backs. Why would I need LaMichael Pirine? It's, I'm just trying to think why I would, I would rather have the, the seventh receiver to potentially develop or the one extra corner to potentially develop than LaMichael Pirine, who how many snaps is he really going to see this year? I mean, how many, how many opportunities to get the ball is he really going to get to where I would rather have him over a different position? I'm, I'm not sure I see it. And yes, it would be really, really interesting to see Joe Douglas move on from a mid round pick one year later, but I don't think they expected Michael Carter to fall to them. We've already seen that he has no fear moving on from players for the betterment of the team and trading Sam Darnold. And when a better player comes along to improve the team, that's what he's, that's what he did. And I feel like that was Michael Carter. And I feel like the jets don't have to outright cut him. I feel like they could trade him. I feel like you could get a late round pick 
He's a young yeah. running back in his second year. Youth matters for running backs almost more than anything else right now. And sure. you could find a team that needs a good backup running back that's willing to offer a, a seventh round pick or a sixth round pick or a, you know, conditional. Maybe he plays X amount of snaps, it becomes a sixth. Or you don't have to outright cut him. I think you can get something. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's good at a lot of things, but not great at, at anything, really. Right. So, a, what's the one thing LaMichael P. Ryan does that says he needs to be on this roster and we need five running backs? Is he a better receiver than Coleman? Nope. Is no. he a better short yarders than Adams? Nope. No. <laughs> so Is he faster than yeah. Carter or Ty Johnson? No. Nope. No, he's yeah. just he's just a body. And if and if the Jets if four running backs isn't enough with like is Zach Wilson ever gonna throw? Like, did we draft Elijah Moore in the second round to block? Yeah, I mean well everything's gonna go through the run game. It's gonna dictate everything. Oh, for sure. It's, it's definitely important. important but, but but is yes. it five running backs important? No. I don't think so. What about practice squad? I can see would, he would clear Maybe. waivers. I don't think. He, I think. See, I don't think he would. I think a team would claim him. That's I think they're going to say, is "Yeah, little, is a better option." Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. Well, all right, guys, this has been a fun show. Uh, I think the Jets have a lot of interesting options. Uh, a lot of spots up for grabs. This is make very clear that I think we're all happy with the draft. I think we're all very happy with the direction this team is going. But this is not going to be fixed overnight. There are still holes on this team that are probably going to continue to be holes on this team come the season and we're going to be talking about those same holes throughout the entirety of the draft process next year. So buckle up. It's going to be a fun one. I do think there's going to be, it's going to be a really, really fun training camp. I think it's going to be really fun to watch. Um, and the jets are going to be better. I think that's number one thing is they are going to be improved. They, it's pretty impossible for them to be worse than they were last year under Adam Gase. I, it, they can't be, they can't <laughs> be. Uh, so that's it guys. This has uh, been the Oklahoma drill podcast uh, training camp breakdown episode i've been andrew at andrew golden underscore 17 uh guys go ahead and get us out of here uh you can find me on twitter at, at zazzy jets and you can find me at peter 5m all right thanks you guys for listening we'll talk real soon 